Hi guys, welcome to Dear Jess, Lead with Love. My name is Jessica Alessio and I am super excited to share the content of today's podcast with you because it's titled The Vulnerability Hangover. And let me tell you guys, I think that I have one right now. Um, This past Friday, we were going into our fall break and I decided to do a thing. And to be honest, God has been nudging me to do this thing for quite a while now through interactions with my crew. So I'll give you an example. My mom has been dropping these subtle hints for years through her sweet little text messages referring to how Rachel Hollis sounds like me. But I know it's probably just because I very excessively and fondly refer to my mom repeatedly as girl. So I say things like, girl, how's your day? Or girl, that's terrible. Whatever it happens to be, right? So I feel like since Rachel Hollis has these books titled Girl, Wash Your Face or Girl, Stop Apologizing, maybe she is just um, overanalyzing the use of the word girl and that's why she's comparing our writing styles. So anyway, I kind of take that with a grain of salt because she's my mom and she has to love what I write. Um, Beyond that, my staff at work has been just religiously reinforcing the topic um, of my Friday focus, the topics I should say, because they vary from week to week. So each Friday or Thursday evening rather, I send out a little recap of the week through email And we just kind of talk through um, the big ideas or the themes that have really come into play in our daily practice over those last four to five days. Um, And finally, we have my girlfriend, Christine, who has been tagging me in Instagram on this feed titled Hope Writers. And it seems like this group has um, a team of inspiring Um, I'm sorry, aspiring authors, they're also inspiring, but aspiring authors who tend to mostly believe in Jesus and God's perfect timing. Only their perfect timing for signing up for this group was the Friday before my fall break, and then the group was going to close again until sometime in 2020. So there was a little bit of pressure on me this night before fall break, and I really had to wrestle with God about this decision because while it's energizing to start a new project, in my head, I'm like, Jessica, stop being such an overachiever. Like at some point, you're allowed to just stop. So I wrestled with God and I wanted to share my conversation with you because it's relevant and it's kind of funny. So here's me laying in bed, husband's peacefully snoring beside me, and I'm talking to God and I say, God, but I'm a high school principal. Ain't nobody got time to sign up for this hope writer whatever group in anticipation of maybe publishing a book one day. I'm a high school principal. Ain't nobody got time for that. And God was, you know, like he so often is, quiet. So then I say, I also have a few other projects up my sleeve. I've been invited to do a little AP Spanish content writing on the side. I have this real estate career. Oh yeah, that gym that I'm trying to like steadily visit so that I can really get the perks of my membership, etc., etc. right? And God again is silent. So then I say, 
And I really want to pull at God's heartstrings here, I say. And what about my commitment to spending more time with my family, with my husband, with my mom? Have you seen how big my little nephew is getting, right? I'm pulling out all the stops with family, friends, those I love, those who need me to be present in their lives. And God, again, is silent. So I go back to excuse number one because I feel like it's a really valid one. And I say, did I mention that I am a high school principal? And Lord, you know this isn't nearly as cool as some of my friends from back home think that it is. So it goes on and on like this, right? I give an excuse. God doesn't answer. I come up with a more creative excuse. God doesn't answer. I pull out his heartstrings a little bit. He doesn't answer. And I'm basing my rationale in some very real, relevant, biblical truths throughout our little argument here. If you can call a one-sided argument an argument. So we go on and on. And I feel like God was just patiently waiting me out. Um, Because for those of you who don't know, apparently God has all night. And it was kind of like God was saying, you can't sleep, Jessica, until we wrestle. And so we did. It was very Genesis 32. Only unlike Jacob, I wasn't wrestling with a strange man. It was very, very clear that I was wrestling with God. And that lasted until about one in the morning. I had about 4,578,000 excuses. And literally, I feel like I could hear God laughing. And eventually I decided to stop fighting it. And when I stopped fighting it, it was done. We were going to find a way to publish these words. I have so dearly and sincerely wanted the word to hear. And that is when we entered the vulnerability hangover. I was exhausted. I was overcome with unknowing and with doubt and with fear. It felt like all of a sudden, all of this anticipation I had managed to keep at bay during years of inaction suddenly surfaced like this beautiful, voracious wave just thrusting against my chest. And all of a sudden, I didn't even know how to introduce myself to this new group of individuals, these hope writers. I couldn't formulate a vision for why I write, for the story that I've wanted to tell for the better part of a decade and a half. But I was encouraged by one of our group leaders. She's a published author. Her name is Emily P. Freeman, and she is amazing. And her advice, just like the title of her most recent book, is just do the next right thing. And the next right thing, per her advice in this writing group, is just to sit down and write. So here I am, about 29 minutes and 32 seconds into my first writing day, and I'm not even really sure what a writing day is. But I do know that last night, sitting in the quiet of my living room with nothing but the sound of soft breathing from my husband and my assortment of furry friends, I dared to ask myself the looming question, why do I write? And today, I really honestly think I might have a pretty good clue. So despite my vulnerability hangover and my overwhelmedness with sharing this very personal story, I think that this is how I might respond when I'm asked, why do you write? 
And I hope that maybe, just maybe those of you who are struggling through this intricate balance of life and death can somehow, deep in the quiet corners of your heart, perhaps even relate to these words. Why do I write? I write because my heart was ripped wide open in the rawest, most beautiful way. And no one talks about what happens when death sort of becomes you, a part of your daily routine. I spent a decade of my life kissing the sky goodnight and talking to the clouds each morning. And as I healed from that loss, a beautiful rhythm in my life actually went away. And no one prepares you for that. That is why I write. I write because the pain of death is an alluring, raw, biting emotion that's too personal for the world to touch, but too shared among each other to simply not communicate. That is why I write. I write because the pain we feel is the last great tribute we can make to a life so greatly, sorely missed. That is why I write. I write because when you are in it, there are no words that can help. You have to sit in the thick, all-encompassing humidity of your tears and wait for the salt to dry in the quiet of your mourning. That is why I write. I write because it's a strategic way to allow for processing as you deal with the eventual PTSD of not hurting as much as you used to. And somehow, that feels unhonorable. It feels isolating. It feels like a slap in the face to the one that you loved so dearly. That is why I write. And if that doesn't give you a vulnerability hangover, then I'm not quite sure what will. In Alan and Jim Fadling's latest book, What Does Your Soul Love?, they state that transformation happens at the pace of grace. And just like we learned as Jason, or I'm sorry, as Jacob wrestled with God, perhaps our vulnerability and wrestling with our own brokenness through faith and trust and that which we cannot see will inspire us to commune in this same authentic way with each other. Perhaps if we aren't afraid of the pain, the uprootedness, the thrust of emotion arising in our chests, we could come together in a truly magnetic way. That is my hope for the words I share. At least 46 minutes and 14 seconds into my second, I'm sorry, into my first writing day. Um, I hope that in some way this podcast, this message on leading with love and this specific episode on the vulnerability hangover I hope that it reaches you and touches those of you who are are just in the thralls of your grief and I hope you know that you aren't alone even though it feels like such a lonely isolated personal space And someday, I hope to tell you more about that after I've really put pen to paper and clearly articulated all that it is that I have to say on this topic. So thank you all for listening. Um, I appreciate each and every one of you. See you guys soon.